0: Welcome to the Alien Beer Podcast. My name is Chrissy Garrison. I'm an independent science fiction and fantasy author, and I will be reading my stories to you. I wrote this story in the summer of 2014 as a submission for, and was published in, the Seven Star Press Anthology, A Chimerical World, Tales of the Sealy Court. It is a tie-in to my Tipsy Fairy Tales series, Between Blue Spirit and Restless Spirit. It takes place during the time when Skye was borrowed by R.J. Sullivan for his novel, Virtual Blue. I figured since Minnie didn't make an appearance in that book, I wanted to write about her solo adventures in Bloomington. On her own, Minnie gets into as much trouble as Skye, but without anyone to bail her out. SEALY Goose I found the Goose Girl in Dunn Cemetery, sketchbook and pencil in hand, as she gazed at a stone angel. I watched her draw a while before I approached. Walking toward her, I made noise so I wouldn't startle her. I've learned that it's easier to talk to people when they don't vanish in fright. Most won't even see me, at least those in the mortal world. I hate when Skye calls it the real world because she can be so, so human-centric. My world may overlap hers, but that doesn't make it any less real. I could tell this girl would be able to see me because you don't see girls like her in Sky's world unless you're Sky. The girl had a preternaturally long neck, her black feathered hair falling over her almost non existent shoulders. Her wing arms, feathered and elegant, was another telltale. Cream colored skin disappeared into a long ruffled dress that concealed her feet. I wondered if they were webbed or if she wore shoes. Oh, yeah, and the bill was a dead giveaway to her non humanity. I could see past the glamour mortals would see. This was a creature of my world. Oh, she cried. Damn, do I need to be noisier or carry a fluorescent flag, maybe? I waved and smiled, but didn't show my teeth. The little fangs that Skies thinks are so cute tend to alarm some folks. Hello there. Nice day out, isn't it? She drew in a breath and nodded, closing her sketchbook. Yes, maybe the last nice day of the year. I hope it holds up for just one more day. Who are you, little one? There it is again. Always judge me by my size, they do. Just because a girl's only a foot and change tall doesn't mean that's what defines her. I let it pass. I'm Minnie. I'm new around here. My other half has business in town, and she hasn't got time for me, so I'm puttering around and exploring. Bloomington is such a pretty place and so full of fairies. I regretted the word as soon as it was out of my mouth. She made a face and clacked her bill. Fairies, hm? Yes, many of us. You talk too much like one of the mundanes of this world. You mention another half. Minnie, are you married? I am to be married tomorrow myself. I shook my head and chuckled. No, it's a bit of a joke. I'm a cast-off bit of a mundane soul. I'm her and she's me, but I live in your realm and she lives in hers. She nodded as though this were a common tale. It's not. Not even to a goose girl. She clacked her bill twice and looked closer at me. So you aren't a fair... You're not like me, even though you walk in my world? I shrugged. Even I'm not sure what I am, Sweet Feathers. I gave her a grin. She sat down her sketchbook and preened, seeming to forget me for a moment, then met my eyes again. Sweet Feathers? Oh, I see. I've been rude. I have your name, but didn't introduce myself. I'm Bernadette Nutt, soon to be Bernadette Gale. Will you accept an invitation to my wedding as an apology? Courtesy is like currency to people like Bernadette. However, this exchange cut both ways. I could refuse her invitation and keep some power over her, and she'd owe me a favor. By the same token, it would be rude to decline, so I'd also be giving her power over me. So, what the heck, I had nothing else going on. Sky can't even see or hear me when she's sober. Skye's current assignment required sobriety, so I was on my own for the time being. Thank you for the invitation, and don't worry about it, sweet feathers. I like nicknames, especially when they're funny. She laughed, but it was cut off by a teakettle shriek as something ripped through the air like a missile. She looked up, and I launched myself into her soft belly like a mini cannonball. She folded in and fell backwards, just missing a headstone. A fiery streak passed through the spot where she'd just stood and smacked into the ground, turning the grass and soil into steam and red-hot glass. She sat up, catching me as I tumbled from her belly. She honked a couple of times as she fought for breath. She hugged me close to her, enclosing me in her wing feathers. It was a cozy cocoon, but I struggled free to stand on my own. I'm not a doll. When she caught her breath, she stood and said, Thank you, little one. You saved my life. Imagine if I'd been killed by a shooting star. Her tone was light, but her voice shook as she looked at the steaming crater in the graveyard. I know. What are the odds? But even as I was about to reassure her that something as incredibly unlikely as that couldn't happen again, electricity prickled my scalp and my hair stood up. Get down now, I yelled and dove for a flat granite grave marker. She dropped, covering her downy head with those magnificent wings of hers. The world filled with light and excruciating noise, as I, and I was thrown ass overhead by the blast I had expected. I passed out, then woke to my ears, ringing in blobby afterimages, blocking my sight. When I figured out how to breathe, I sucked in air and let it out in gusts, shaking in primal terror. The ringing wasn't just in my ears, but also a shrill, keening cry. "'Bernadette!' I called out, still unable to see. "'Twice is no coincidence. Tell my love I'm sorry, but I must hide and save my life.' I staggered and groped around me, but I couldn't find my new friend, not even as my vision began to clear. Nothing but stones and statues. Bernadette's sketchbook still lay on the ground, abandoned in her haste to disappear. I hauled it over to a mausoleum, then opened it up to look for ideas as to what to do next.' The last pencil sketch she'd been working on was an intricate likeness of the stone angel she'd been studying when I arrived. Several more pages showed the headstones of this little graveyard. Another page showed a fountain with a naked woman surrounded by enormous carp spitting streams of water. Two smaller figures of goose people stood side by side, holding hands surrounded by other fantastical fairy types of all descriptions. A third goose person bent and bespeckled, was to one side. Other pages revealed more fountain drawings with a nude goose girl floating along the spitting carp, her beauty catching my heartstrings. I wondered if it was meant as a gift for her intended. She did have lovely webbed feet, if the sketch was any indication. Earlier sketches included buildings on the Indiana University campus and a bust of a beautiful woman with prominent duck-face lips and dark hair. Bernadette again, I guessed, in the way she'd be seen by mortals who couldn't see past the illusion of a fairy glamour. I tore this page from the book and folded it again and again until it was thick but just small enough to fit in my shoulder bag. I shut the sketchbook and slid it into the gap under the mausoleum door for safekeeping. I took another look around the small cemetery to check for signs of where Bernadette had gone, but I found nothing but headstones and statues, and they weren't telling me anything. So I climbed the low stone wall and hopped onto the trail that led past the Union Building. The iron gate was open, but I really didn't want to go near that. I'm not sure if I'm a true fairy or not, but iron burns. Behind me, I heard a chittering, chattering noise, but not made by a bird. I froze, knowing what it'd be before I looked. An orange cat, many times my size, flattened to the ground, ears back, eyes laser-focused on me. An icy bolt of fear shot through me, meeting those eyes. Oh yes, animals, cats in particular, can see bits of my world, including me if I'm not careful. The orange tail lashed back and forth as the animal wiggled its butt, ready to strike. I ran for my life as fast as my chubby little legs would take me. I heard the cat's feet scrabble on the pavement as it launched itself after me. I dodged left. It missed but got itself in my path. I put my arms up to make myself look as big as possible, bared my vampire fangs, and hissed for all I was worth. The cat paused, and I punched its soft, wet nose. The cat poofed from head to tail, orange fur doubling its apparent size. It raised a paw to swat at me. I knew I was about to become lunch. A hoof planted itself between the cat and me. The cat arched and hissed, but another hoof kicked at it. The cat growled and backed up. The hooves stomped and the cat ran off. I looked up at my savior and found myself staring at a fawn, goat-legged with a human man on top. This one wore a coarse woven peasant top and a black kilt. He grinned down at me. "'Thanks. I thought I was cat-chow for a minute there.' He bowed with a flourish. "'Think nothing of it, my pretty little sprite. That cat's bothered our kind so much lately. I shall have a talk with him. Now, if you need no further assistance, I must be on my way. Wait, um, please, sir, I'm not a local, but I just witnessed a magical attack of some sort, and I need to deliver a message.' He arched an eyebrow and hunkered down closer to my level. "'Attack? Message?' Go on. It's from her, I said, pulling out the sketch of the goose girl in human guise. She's gone into hiding and asked me to tell her fiancé. I think the wedding is off. I'm Minnie, by the way. He examined the paper, taking it from me. From her? My feathered beauty has been attacked? Oh. So you're the fiancé? It's doubly lucky I found you, but she told me. He lowered a hand to the ground, palm up. May I carry you, little one? We must make haste to get help. My name is Panos. I stared at his hand and then looked into his eyes. I prefer to walk, but thank you, Panos. He sighed and looked off toward the setting sun. If I promise no harm will come to you? Well, say what you want about the fairy folk. They're sticklers about promises. I still don't like being carried by anyone but Skye, but if it could help the poor goose girl... I nodded and stepped into his hand and grabbed a double handful of his sleeve. He hoisted me up to hold me in the crook of his arm. Mmm, cozy. Maybe riding isn't so bad. I can only imagine how the bad guys in that Star Wars movie felt on those giant walking machines. I rode high above the ground. His feet stomped the ground below. Except this guy could run. Hooves kicked up divots of grass and clopped across pavement as he sprinted and leapt through the college campus. Human pedestrians seemed not to see him, and traffic parted ahead of him just in time anywhere he ran. The pace of the ride thrilled me so much that I failed to pay attention to where he took me. I recognized our destination anyway, as I'd seen it in Bernadette's drawing a fountain dominated by an enormous metal statue of a naked lady lying in water surrounded by spitting fish. Reality bent here, as it does in many magical places. The fountain stretched out into impossible space, unseen by mortals, becoming a large pond. Fish and merfolk splashed and played in the spray of the fountain. Small, white-feathered duck people paddled wing in wing. An island rose out of the center, my eyes aching as it overlaid its overstuffed dimensions in my vision. The closer we approached, the more real it seemed, as the campus bent off into dreaminess outside the borders of the circle, a small keep stood on the island, and on the shore was an enormous gray feathered goose draped in a shawl, wearing spectacles. She honked as she glanced our way, then waded out into the pond fountain, and paddled a straight line toward us. people and duck people parted to make way, eyes following the great gray goose's progress. I grabbed Pano's sleeve flipped over his arm, and leapt to the ground at his feet. I may have let out an oof. It's a long way down for someone my size, especially since I haven't got wings. I'm tougher than I look. The spectacled gray goose shimmered as she reached the shore, becoming goose woman, similar to Bernadette. Only this woman had the elegant bearing of a noblewoman, bill-tipped up, eyes peering down with cool detachment at Panos and myself. Her presence hit me like a tangible force. I found myself making a curtsy. I never curtsy. Who curtsies any more? Panos bowed low, and his hooves clattered on the paving bricks as he backed up a step. "'Well met, Panos, my squire. Who is the doll, we inquire?' The words rang from her as a grand brass bell, flowing out like a song. Panos straightened and smiled. "'My diminutive companion,' I interrupted, "'can speak for herself.' Who are you, Goose Lady? Sometimes people talk about getting an icy stare. They mean it figuratively. Goose Lady's stare literally made me see my breath. Panos hugged himself, clattering a step away from me. I met her gaze and tried to warm it with a winning smile. Unfortunately, my smile's warmth was only figurative. After a long, chilly moment, she spoke. Black-haired doll, have a care. I am Mother Gale, Storm, if you dare. Her bells clanged a warning that chilled my heart as much as her gaze. "'I am Minnie, Mother Gale, at your service, of course.' A few heartbeats later, it was as though the sun had come out from behind a cloud. The ice melted, and she chuckled. "'Very well, Minnie doll. What brings you to my atoll?' I saw Pano stand more at ease, arms hanging at his sides now. I took a breath. "'I have a message from Bernadette. I met her in the cemetery nearby.' Someone we didn't see attacked her. She said to tell her love she must hide to save her life. Panos and Storm exchanged a long look. Then Panos said, I found the little one beset by a cat and saw no signs of Bernadette, Mother Gale. I feared this engagement was cursed, said the imperious goose woman, ill-fated from the first. So, I said, someone doesn't want them married and she's in danger because of that? Panos and Mother Gale both fixed their eyes on me. Their scrutiny made me uncomfortable. It would seem so, said Panos. Then I want to help. I offer my services as a proxy bride, taking Bernadette's place so she can come out of hiding once the vows are spoken. Mother Gale honked out a throaty laugh, her head thrown back, Bill pointing to the sky. Offer accepted, most intrepid, she said with a snap of her bill. Panos drew a dagger from his belt and aimed at me, crouching. You dare! I backed up a few steps, hands in front of me. Listen, Bud, I may not be your idea of an ideal bride, but it's to help save your feathery lover girl, okay? Bernadette Nutt is not my love, you little meddler. I wish to press my suit for the beautiful Grace Gale, daughter of Mother Storm. There will be blood in the morning, yours, and then a wedding. And with a snap of his fingers, he clip clopped off out into the warped space of the more mundane world of the campus. "'Blood,' I said, staring after him. "'He means a duel. His blade is cruel,' said Mother Gale. "'Aunt Grace Gale? My daughter, fairest on the water. "'Oh. "'I think I know what she looks like,' I said, feeling the weight of the sketch in my bag. "'Any chance I could just back out of this?' She shook her head. "'Tis her will, a role you will fill.' Mother Gale found a spare bedroom for me in the keep and locked me inside overnight for my safety. Right. I noticed they didn't leave me a key. I glanced at the window in the bed. After some thought, I decided to take some precautions. I wadded up a towel and stuffed it under the bed covers, making a lump. Before bed, I scrubbed myself with a minty potpourri I found near a washbasin. I scattered the smelly stuff all around the floor of the room, covering the steps I'd taken. I climbed into the wardrobe and shut myself in with another towel for my bedding. I slept like a rock for most of the night. I only woke once when the window crashed in. From my nest inside the wardrobe, I heard something growl and snarl out in the room. There came a sound of fabric tearing and ripping, followed by snuffling, a sneeze, and a forlorn howl. Something scrabbled at the window and let itself out, glass tinkling in its wake. I didn't bother to open the wardrobe. I fell back to sleep for the rest of the night. In the gray pre dawn of the morning, Mother Gale made a big fuss over the surprise animal attack and apologized profusely. I shrugged it off as nothing and smiled, knowing she owed me one now. Mother Gale, may I ask a favor? Storm Gale clacked her bill twice, then nodded. May we move the wedding up to before the duel? her bill clacked once more and she shook her head. Impossible doll, not w- proper at all. Her rhymes are getting weaker. I must be on to something. Don't you want your daughter to be happy? She hissed. Don't be smart, you tiny tart. If I say the words for Bernadette before the duel, your grace gets what she wants. Bernadette can be safe and no blood has to be spilled, especially not mine. I'm doing her a favor and I've already risked my skin once, I said, pointing at the broken window. I asked this in turn. I hadn't ever heard a goose growl before. Storm said, Very well. I shall wake Grace and gather the court. If Pano should be early, tis not my fault. Grace turned out to be a smaller, shyer version of her mother, her feathery hair, gray despite her more girlish appearance. She was the face in Bernadette's sketchbook, not a self-portrait after all. Thank you for your brave help, Minnie, said Grace after an introduction. She wore a fluffy white confection of a gown, which rustled as she shifted from foot to foot. I shrugged. Your girlfriend seemed nice. It was the right thing to do, and I've got nothing else going on for a while. Grace and her mother looked at each other and clacked bills. We joined some bleary-eyed courtiers, some of the goose form, some of pigeon form, and closer to my size, near a pool of onlooking people. A fine and proper duck man, nearly morphed into full human form, stepped up to a podium and beckoned us to him. I stood on one side with some pigeon people to attend me, and Grace and her mother stood on the other. Both goose women peered off into the bent space where reality turned a corner in case Pano should appear. I barely heard as the duck read from a book, explaining to those present that I represented the will of the missing Bernadette Nutt, and that the marriage shall be binding in the laws of their community upon Bernadette's return. I looked up at Grace as she repeated the vows the duck officiant read to her. She stood in her most human form, her bill replaced by pouty lips, her feathery hair touching her slight shoulders, her eyes smiling down at me. I don't have plans to get hitched any time, but a girl could do worse than Grace. Her name was more than just that. It described her shy beauty and glow of inner strength. The contrast between Grace and her mother struck me. Storm had hard edges and lightning moods, commanding attention and obedience. Meanwhile, Grace's nature made me feel the need to keep her safe and happy, despite only having just met her. She finished up her vows with the softly spoken words, I do my turn. I, Minnie, in the name of Bernadette Nutt, take this woman, Grace Gale, to be her lawfully wedded wife, to have and to hold. From under her cape, Storm's fingers flickered. She hissed, and a disturbance in the air told me a spell flew toward me. I had no time to dodge, so I braced for it. The force of the wave in the air knocked me back into the pigeon man attending me, and he into the pigeon woman behind him. But like a wave breaking on a cliff, The refraction in the air bounced off me and hit Grace, who fell to the ground like a marionette with her strings cut. Storm Gale let out a honking cry and flapped her winged arms as she leapt to her fallen daughter's side. "'I saw that. You did that,' I said, fighting for breath. "'Hush, you creep. My daughter sleeps. Then wake her so we can finish. Only a few more words from me and it's done.' She shook her head. "'I wish I could as well. Her sleep is part of a spell.' Then break it! I ran up and stood across from Storm, facing her over her daughter's limp body. Mother Gale honked out a sob. My daughter's choice in love made me weep. Now it's my fault she sleeps. I wish it to stop, but I cannot. If you wanted me out of the way, why didn't you release me from my offer? Mother Gale's presence collapsed in on itself as she cried. If you slept, then more time in this place, then Panos could marry my Grace. You would sleep until it was done, Grace married to the fond gentleman. Panos arrived leading a retinue of forest people, a doe girl, some squirrel folk, and an owl man that gave me the creeps. Sensing trouble, I yelled out for all to hear. I do! What is this? shouted Panos, drawing his wicked knife. I cry foul. A wedding before my challenge shall not stand. He lunged at me with his knife, but Mother Gale stopped him with a flick of her fingers, freezing him for a moment while she plucked the dagger from his grip. "'Nay, fair squire, do not kill the imp woman. She forced my hand and now Grace sleeps anon. Do not stab, you must grab.' Panos bleated a curse and his hand darted at me like a striking cobra. His fingers almost met around my middle as the ground fell away and he squeezed the breath from my lungs.' He held me to his face and laughed at me. Little fool, he began, his nose an inch from my own. No way I was sticking around for a monologue. So I bit him, hard, right on the left nostril. My fangs might be small, but this guy could have put in two nose rings side by side as my teeth met in the middle of his flesh. Panos screamed and my whirl went topsy-turvy as he capered around. He tugged once at me but regretted it as my teeth held fast. Man, that's gotta hurt. I heard Mother Gale shouting orders at him from nearby, but he released his grip, howling as my weight dangled from his newly pierced nose. I tasted blood and could not wait to spit. I opened my mouth and fell, but halfway down his body, I kicked him in the solar plexus hard and launched off of him. I hit the ground in a roll, spitting his blood. I leaped to my feet and used the jump's momentum to carry me in a dead run away from the wedding party. The only sounds behind me were Panos wheezing for breath and Mother Gale honking curses after me. My stomach lurched as I passed the edge of the warped space of the fountain, backed into mortal space. I dodged some human pedestrians and nearly got flattened by a car tire, but managed to lose myself before any fairy pursuit might find me. My pace wasn't as fast as Panos's hooves had carried me the day before, and I didn't know a direct route to the Union. It took a while, but I meandered my way back to that huge building, and I circled it until I found the little cemetery yard. As I approached, I searched for potential weapons. I hoped for a safety pin or possibly a pocket knife, but no such luck smiled on me that morning. Instead, I found a dirty green hair tie, which I tucked into my belt. I expected to encounter the orange cat and was not disappointed. It chirped at me and flattened, wiggling its butt, working up to pounce on me. I picked up a hunk of gravel and sat down, looping the hair tie over each foot. I slung the gravel into the elastic band and used it like a makeshift slingshot. I pulled back, aimed carefully, and when the cat tensed to pounce, I let the gravel fly. The rock bounced off the cat's head between its ears, and there was a spray of finer rocks and dirt as it scrambled to reverse direction. It kicked me in the side, but I escaped serious injury, and the animal darted away from me. I knew this wouldn't last long, so I sprang to my feet and clutched at the hair tie and sprinted through the little cemetery's open iron gate. Once inside, I stopped to catch my breath, looking around me. The weathered headstones held their secrets, their moss telling more of a story than the fading words etched into their rough stone surfaces. Two sad, concrete angels peered down at me in disapproval. I am doing my best, I panted at the statue's. They continued to stare at me, impassive and nonplussed. I gave them the raspberry. After my heart slowed to something under a jackhammer's beat, I gave up the staring contest and made my way to the mausoleum, fished around underneath, and dragged out Bernadette's sketch pad. I paged backwards from the end once more. If I stared hard enough, I hoped that some detail in one of the recent sketches might pop up off the page to give me a clue. The angel in the sketches had as dour a look as the ones near the gate, its gaze at least as accusing as I'd seen on my way in. I recognized the stones behind the angel and dragged the sketchbook through the graveyard until I was lined up to where Bernadette must have stood to draw it. I left the sketch on the ground and climbed a tombstone. Something told me that she had sat her butt here as she sketched. I flicked my gaze between the pad on the ground and the view in front of me. One, two, one, two. Oh, two angels, not one. I leapt down and ran to the left-hand angel and said, Bernadette Nut, I know that's you in there. Come out, or I shall tell Mother Gale on you. A long silence broke with a sigh from the extra angel, which shimmered and became Bernadette, who clacked her bill at me. So, you're working for her now. Did she offer a reward? Nope, she's the one behind the attacks. When I acted as your stand-in at the wedding this morning, Wedding, she honked. Calm down, as I said. At the wedding, she cast a spell of sleep on me, but it looks like fairy magic bounces right off of me, and it hit Grace instead. My Grace, is she all right? I shrugged. She's unharmed, just sleeping forever. Even Mother Gale can't undo the spell. I know too many fairy tales, not to think that you might be of use in waking her up. Bernadette flapped her feathered arms in frustration, and the wind pushed me back a step. She said, what do you think I can do about it if she can't undo her own curse? I shrugged. I figured if I get you to her, maybe something will come to you. Bernadette moaned. She hates me. She's never approved of her daughter marrying another goose rather than a gander. Or that fawn. She's not going to let me near her. I lost myself a moment in a daydream of interlocking bills clacking together. Minnie, do you have a plan? I looked at her. That trick, disguising yourself as a statue, can you look like anything? She nodded. I can make a glamour that fools the eyes of others to hide myself in plain sight. You saw through it, as no one has done before. I smiled, not caring if she saw my fangs now. I have unconventional ways. Can you look like me? She clacked her bill once, then plucked a wing feather and handed it to me. I figured the feather was nearly as long as I was tall. I marveled at how light it was in my hand. More than that, she said, and the air shimmered. I saw a mere image of myself replace Bernadette. I realized that as she shrank, I seemed to grow, until I peered down from her height, several feet higher than my usual vantage. I'd love for Skye to see me now. I'd still be shorter than her, but this would even things up a bit. There, she said in my voice, what did you do? My words honked out in Bernadette's voice, and when I shut my mouth, I heard a bill clack, though I didn't feel it. Just a glamour, you're not really that tall, and I'm not really this short. It'll last as long as you hold my feather. I nodded, a bit disoriented. So, here's my plan. Let's go back to the pond like this. Leave your mother-in-law to me, and I'll draw her fire while you run up to Grace and kiss her. Kiss her? It's the only part of the wedding left to do. The false Vinny grinned at me. I had to admit, even I thought the fangs made her look creepy. As we made our way back, I spied Panos coming our way, a bloody handkerchief held to his nose. When he noticed us, he stopped in his tracks and galloped back toward the warped reality of the pool within the fountain, bumping into a couple of pedestrians in his haste. Bernadette and I exchanged a glance, shrugged, and kept walking. She said, I hope we didn't need the element of surprise. I didn't answer. She'd be better off not knowing that I had no real plan other than relying on confusion to give us an advantage long enough for her to plant a smoocharoo on Sleeping Grace. Space bent around us, and Sky's real world squished in on itself like things in a funhouse mirror. The pond swelled before us, and while we steadied ourselves from the transition, hands grabbed Bernadette and me. Slimy, webbed hands. Frogman guards with spears held us in place, not speaking, just croaking out a victory noise. I saw Bernadette struggle, her seemingly tiny form easily held by the large amphibian man. Those goggle eyes held a proud glee. Afternoon's sunlight glinted off the metal tip of his spear. My own froggy, also dressed in the lavender livery of House Gale, seemed more careful in how he handled me. Guess it wouldn't do to harm the boss's daughter's wife. Just for show, I let out a honk of protest and put up a token scrabble. We were frog-marched across to the Sleeping Grace, now laid out on a featherbed bower. Mother Gale stood over her, stiff and imperious. To one side, Panos stood, a dagger in hand, hateful I was switching between Bernadette and myself. I made the first move. I knew you hated me from the start. My only crime is loving your daughter, Mother Gale. The false Minnie's mouth opened, eyes darting to me. I smiled at her. She shut her mouth and looked back at Storm and said, Yes, and you wouldn't dare hurt a noble goose like Bernadette. Still weird to hear my voice coming from someone else. Crime or not, noble or not, I will not have it. Panos, if that creature comes near, please stab it. Her rhyme is off again. You can't stop our love, I cried. Our grace, Gail, shall sleep forever and ever if you harm me. I might be getting a hang of this fairy-tale nonsense after all. If Geese could grin, I am sure her bill would have bent into a horrible, wicked Grinch grin. Her eyes said what her rigid facial features could not. So be it. If it is a statue you wish to play, then be one evermore starting today. My pond is somewhat bare, a form of stone shall you wear. Her wings wove tangible neon power in the air, and I braced for the magical blast. Anticipating the force before the bounce. Panos let himself smile now as Mother Gale turned to face the real Bernadette, not me. Panos saw you switch. Take that, you bitch. And with that, Storm Gale unleashed her spell, which flew like electric spaghetti from her to Bernadette, still in her mini form. I couldn't look. I closed my eyes. My plan had failed. I heard a sharp crackling like supercooled water freezing in an instant. Silence followed. I opened my eyes to peek. Mother Gale stood, wings spread, bill open in shock. Bernadette in miniform stood free as the frog vanguard had fled after the spell blast. I felt the webbed fingers holding me slacken, and at that moment, all eyes were elsewhere. Panos had been replaced by a marble statue of himself. Storm waved her wings and summoned more energy, twisting colorful snakes into the shape of a spell once more, this time aiming at me. If the glamour is so powerful as to change our properties with each other, that means I'm screwed now. No more immunity for me. Looking like Bernadette, I'm as much a fairy as the rest of them. I hissed at Bernadette. Now, go! The paused moment was over. My guard was gone, but I was in Mother Gale's sights. I held my breath and counted down to time this just right. In my peripheral vision, little Minnie Bernadette scurried toward Grace's bower, forgotten by everyone but me. The energies grew, a tangled skein of petrifying power. Wait for it. Storm let out a cry and flung the spell at me. I dropped the feather. The world grew around me as the electric noodles grabbed a hold of me magical power began to transmute my flesh into marble, a match for Panos. Except it didn't. The power flung itself from me like a cat dropped in the bathtub, rebounding t- onto its source. Storm Gale spread her wings and screamed, head held high as she turned to stone with an icy crackle. I shouted to Bernadette, you may now kiss the bride. Behind the statues, I saw Bernadette back in Goose girl form, leaned down to press her pouty lips against those of her long-necked lover, their kiss completing the ritual and joining the two of them in matrimony. Grayscale's eyes fluttered open and as she raised her feathery arms to pull her new wife in for a much fiercer kiss. I looked around the court to give them privacy. My frogman guard followed his companion, webbed feet slapping on the cobblestones as he fled. Pigeon people eyed the new statues with wonder. Myrrh people clapped and cheered from the edge of the pond. Congratulations, Sweet Feathers, I said, adding, and Mrs. Sweet Feathers. I love a happy ending. I knew I had to get Sky to come back with me to visit the fountain later to see Mother Goose and the Seder added to the Naked Lady with Carp display. The end. Thank you for listening to the Alien Beer Podcast. If you like my stories, please visit my website, sillyhatbooks.com. I publish as E. Chris Garrison, and my books may be found in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on amazon.com and other places. The theme music for Alien Beer Podcast is Phantom from Space by Kevin McLeod. I very much enjoy feedback on this podcast and on my stories, so please leave comments on my website, visit me at, at @ecgarrison on Twitter, E. Chris Garrison on Facebook, or drop me an email at ecg at sillyhatbooks.com. What if a storytelling podcast could be an interactive experience? Hi, I'm Mariah Powell, amateur author and creator of Hobbies Include Writing, and I'm openly inviting your opinions on stories I haven't finished writing yet. Launching with my original audio novel, Blood That Binds, Visit hobbiesinclude-writing.weebly.com for more about the show and look for it on a podcasting platform near you. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.